All right. Well, hey, we're looking forward to having Sherry Mitchner here as a guest today. She's the talent leader for Acme Brick in Fort Worth, Texas. And Sherry's got a, you know, a number of years of experience in the TA space from a number of different types of positions. Um, so excited to get her input. So Sherry, our topic right now that we're focused on is really the calibration of getting things lined up for success when you're going to um, calibrate and hire somebody for your position within your business. So, so tell us, how do, you, how do you do that? What do you recommend um, in that process? Okay. Thanks so much for having me on, and I appreciate that. When you have an opening and you get the requisition approved, there's obviously a need for that role. So if you look at a job description, it is basically a piece of paper that has skill sets and maybe some you know, nice-to-haves on it. So what I recommend and what we do here at ACME is that we have an, an intake meeting form and basically we go and meet with that hiring manager. So we schedule a time to meet with the hiring manager and really pick his brain, find out, or her brain, sorry, his, her or his brain, trying to find out what it is that they actually are looking for this role. Because you have to assess where this person is gonna be in the organization, what the culture of that specific department is. Sometimes you know the company has an overall culture, which we all know, but each department is gonna have an individualized subculture, depending on who is managing that team, how large that team is, what the dynamics of that team are. So to look at the entire picture in that aspect, is it a, a department that maybe hasn't had anybody hired into that department in five or 10 years. So obviously the people that are in that group are very tight knit at that point. So it would take a very special personality, a cultural fit to be able to plug into that specific department because they're gonna be viewed very much as an outsider. So you look at all of those aspects you make sure that you talk to that hiring manager, a piece of paper is great, but what is it that he really, he or she really wants to have in this role? If it's a replacement position, what happened to the person who left? Did they, were they terminated? If they were, you know, what is it about that person or that person's work ethic, you know, that was a push point for that manager? So all of those things need to come out in an intake meeting form, in, in an intake meeting um, session. So you look at the fact of maybe it, it's a brand new position, it's a newly created role, which is great because you've got all this clean runway to be able to take off. So that's a, a wonderful thing when it's a newly created role. The intake meeting form is basically sets down and talks about everything that you possibly could want to know about that role. So why is that role open? Is it newly created? Is it a replacement? If it's replacing somebody, what happened to them? Um, so if it is, you know, a salary position, are they gonna have any direct reports? You know, what's the size of the department? Uh, what's the culture of the department? What's the work schedule for this person? When would they ideally want this person to start? How are they going to assess the candidates in the interview process? So a lot of times you'll find managers that maybe haven't had any interview training. Maybe they've not been 
in a position to hire anyone, maybe in their entire careers. We need to look at, do they need coaching on how to interview before you start interviewing candidates? Those things all come out in the intake meeting. Do you have a, um, do you guys use any assessments that you baseline roles off of? We don't currently use assessments. I have used different assessments in, in other companies, other role, other you know, positions. We are working on having those in place, hopefully by the end of this year, but we do not have them in place now. Okay. I think I have a couple of tools I personally like that, that I think are really good tools to use on a pre-hire basis, but I don't currently use any here at Acme Brick. Okay. And then from your, um, do you use any like interviewing concepts or like behavioral based interviewing? Yes. yes, we use a whole list of behavioral based interviews and we've got them lined up with our competencies. So we have competencies for each position. What's going to make you successful in this role? We've designed those. And then we have the behavioral based interviews based upon those competencies. So everything kind of falls into place and it's very, very succinct on the same path. Mm -hmm. No, that's great. I love to hear, love to hear that. Um, how about when you're, when you're doing the interview, when you're calibrating this role, right? I, I see two big factors that typically need to be in alignment. One is um, what we're looking for and some of the criteria must haves that we put in place. Mm -hmm. Do they line up with our compensation for this role? And are they attractive to the target market that we want to pursue? You know, talk mm -hmm. through how you try to align and calibrate around those two environments. Well, we've worked very hard to, you know, get our salaries in line and in all those, you know, we've got a salary range for all of our roles. But I think that you have to analyze where this position is located. I know there's some companies that pay a set amount regardless of where the geography is. And I think that that is not the easiest path to go down when you're trying to recruit somebody into a role that we all know that if you live in a huge metropolitan area, the compensation is going to need to be higher than if you're in a remote plant somewhere, you know, where there's not any commerce for 50 miles there's going to be a difference in cost of living. So we try to analyze those kind of things to make sure that there's equity depending on where the geography is and that we acknowledge that. No, absolutely. That's a, it's, I think such a big key for alignment, right? To set the search up for success um, and align who, who can be in that role. How about the criteria? You know, sometimes people talk to me, it's like, you know, the hiring manager wants to hire Alexis, um, but our target market and our comp aren't really, you know, it's not really attracting Lexus type of experience. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you navigate that, that challenge? Well, you know, I set the expectations on the front end with this intake meeting, you know, what they're going to expect from us as a recruiting team, what we can expect from them. So I let them know up front that here is typically what, their skill set is going to pay in the marketplace. So I try to do all of that on the front end, that if they do want the Lexus, this is what the Lexuses are, the Lexus are being paid in the marketplace currently. 
if the compensation range for what they want to pay for this role is not there, then I let them know that they, we can find a very qualified candidate for them. However, they're not going to have every little box ticked off. So then, you know, checked off as far as every single skill set that they think they want or all the years of experience that they think they want. So we go back and start, start the recruiting process. I actually identify people that are the Lexus and let them see them. And then I also pull the comp studies for what these people are making. So they know here it is, and this is what these people in the market currently make. Then I also will find individuals that are very qualified, but they're in the price range of where they want to start this position. And there's going to be a few things that are probably missing out of their skill set and expertise. So then we go back and we meet and we say, I want to have the five must haves for this role. There's going to be five things that if this person does not know them or does not have experience in them, they will not be successful. So, so I need five must haves. So you, you do the intake call, then you come back with some of that Lexus compensation criteria, you know, information, and then you kind of recalibrate to make sure it's lined up. Is that, am I hearing you right? Yeah, I want them to see what's in the marketplace that has a skill set of what they think they want and then what those people are currently making. Okay. So that they understand, okay, well, it's out here, so I'm going to have to come back and analyze, am I going to give up certain things to get someone that's in our price range? Do you, do you do that? Is that, do you do that all the time? Like just set like a uh, recalibration, like two weeks out, a week out from your intake, three weeks? When, when do you normally do that? Well, what we do is, we will present the first slate of candidates pretty tight time frame. I just, yeah, pretty tight. We do it within five to seven business days. So we are working very fast and very hard. So we will present the first slate of candidates in five to seven days. Those hiring managers, the hiring manager is gonna have 48 hours to get back to us. And he's gonna let us know which candidate, you know, he likes or doesn't, she, he or she likes, doesn't want to pursue for whatever reason. At that point, we have identified a mix of individuals, those that are maybe a little bit higher, the Lexus of you know, his role, and then those that are a little bit maybe even underqualified. So it's kind of like a little mix of what is out in the marketplace. So here's a person that's qualified, they may be a little junior, here's someone is exactly like what you want, but here's what they're gonna pay, want to make, here's what they're being paid, and then we revisit, reanalyze, look at all those backgrounds and say, okay, tell me what it is that you really want in this role. No, I like that. I think, I think there's always a, especially with uh, compensation and some roles are just different, right? There has to be, there's a research phase to mm -hmm. some roles. And then the hiring manager needs to see kind of that first mm -hmm. wave of education on a role. Mm -hmm. if they're not you know, consistently hiring for the same role. Yeah. Um, so I, I like that process. How about what, what percentage of salary positions do you think you hire that are applicants to you? And which percent do you have to go recruit and, and reach out to that aren't looking at your business? There again, it really depends on the level of the role. I just, I'm in the middle of a, a role right now that is 
completely passive candidates. I'm actually headhunting that role right now. So it just depends. I think probably when you look at the, the majority of our roles across the company, most are applying to positions. They're going to apply to certain ads or they're seeking us out. I mean, obviously at New Brick is, you know, a 129 year old company. We're very, very well known. So we have a lot of people who want to come work for us, which is a huge advantage when you're trying to recruit top talent. No, yeah, that, is, that is absolutely a benefit to the, the expansive brand you guys have. How about what are some pitfalls? You've been doing this for quite a while. What are some pitfalls or things you've learned over the years to not get stuck in a situation where you're not calibrated or, or not efficient with getting things lined up? I think that the key to any of this obviously is communication. So when you do the intake meeting and you've set those guidelines and say, this is what I'm going to, you know, expect from you. This is what you expect from me. And if it varies at all, then things revisit and recalibrate at that point. So for instance, if I provide a slate of candidates to hiring manager and I don't hear from them for three days, then their requisition goes on hold. And they know that because there's other hiring managers who are actively interviewing and wanting to fill their roles. So if you don't get back with me for whatever reason, then I'm gonna put it on hold. So it kind of keeps them focused because they know that it's like, help me help you. We're both working on the same team, trying to get the ball across the goal line. So it's like, okay, let's go. And it's very fast, it's very quick. The pace is really, really fast. So they have to understand that when you send something to them, they need to get back within those 48 hours. After three days, it's going to shift gears. I like how you have a, the timeline parameters laid out so everyone's on the same page. I think that's huge, really. Well, it's huge because sometimes, and it works both ways, but you know, it just goes into a black hole sometimes. And it's like, okay, well, that, that slate of candidates I gave them to the hiring manager, you know, a week to 10 days ago. Okay, yeah. well, that's not okay because some of those people are not going to be still in the market when that hiring manager decides that, oh yeah, this person's great. Let's get them in for an interview. Well, they took a job two days ago. Yeah, poor so. candidate experience, right? If it's yeah. too long. So exactly. no, that's good. Any other pitfalls that you that you recommend to avoid? I just think to leave the communication always open both ways. So as a recruiter, I touch base with my hiring managers every two to three days throughout the week. And I may not have any updates or anything to tell them, but just to let them know I'm here, I'm working for them, I'm, you know, actively, you know, spending time on their requisition. And I think that helps them understand that, you know, I'm, I'm a resource for them. Please use me, please utilize me. And I think that that is great for them to understand that I'm working and I'm telling you I'm working. I'm not going to just take a wreck and then disappear for two weeks. I'm not going to do it. So I think that it's just setting those expectations, making sure that everyone knows what role they're going to play. And then the key thing too is the interview process. Once you get a slate of candidates, it's very important to put the key people into that interview mix that's going to make a difference in that candidate making a decision if they're coming on board or not. 
Yeah, that's a good point, right? All have all prevalent stakeholders calibrated in alignment. Mm-hmm. You know, that's good for you guys. So, you, you know, you don't get to the issue of, hey, we, everyone likes this candidate, but suddenly there's this brand new stakeholder internally that steps in at the last second and squashes it. and They hadn't been involved in the process to begin with. Exactly. When we keep everything consistent, you know, if the candidates come in and they meet with, you know, a senior VP of sales or whoever they meet with, all candidates meet with that senior VP of sales. Yeah. So no, I, think, I think that's huge. Mm-hmm. It's getting that stakeholder um, element to it. You know, for, for us in the world that I live in, which is a lot of uh, talent consulting, the, the element we call it the head, the heart, and the briefcase. So we get a baseline kind of calibration on the behavioral analytics of a role, the culture and team fit of the role, and then that experience and resume. Um, but, and, and so we, we get the sign off on all stakeholders before we move forward, because to your point, we understand that that backend miscommunication or alignment can be frustrating, right? If you didn't get it okay. front. Um, so it's, it's huge in our opinion too. So great to hear that we're kind of in the same boat on that. So, um, well, Sherry, we're going to do some additional sessions here on kind of the interviewing and the closing of candidates, but uh, some great insight on getting calibrated and, and kind of priority things that, that companies and individuals need to be focused on um, as they go out to recruit and, and get things lined up in the hiring process. So um, thanks again for joining us. We appreciate your time. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You have a great afternoon. Thanks, Sherry.